Well, this is Christmas, isn't it? Christmas is either um, frightfully busy and chaotic or it's the most fun time of year. Let's launch Christmas, hey? Jesus, I pray this morning as we delve into the greatest story on the planet, the greatest encounter in mankind's history, the birth of Jesus. As we, as we start to unpack that this month, Lord, give us fresh eyes, fresh perspective, fresh passion for this story, because it is the greatest story. Come, Holy Spirit, infuse us today with great understanding, great inspiration, and help us to just embrace all that you are doing in our midst. Amen. Okay. The greatest story when love came down. I want to give you some background. Because when love came down, things have a backstory, don't they? You know, when I got married, there was a backstory. When you were born, there's a backstory. When you got your first job, you know, everything in life has a backstory. So sometimes we think Jesus was born, great. But 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 what? What was going on? Why? What was the, the backstory? I want to take you through a little bit of history. Are we up for that this morning? Yeah. Let's turn our minds on and uh, being a bit of a, I like history. I love geography. I love trying to work out what was going on. Here, here's a diagram to, to kick us off with because it says, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, Luke 1.5, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, let me show you what was actually going on here. All right. Timeline. Map. Got it? This will be on the Life Build Academy course starting tomorrow. Okay, let's come right up here. Sorry, Andrew. Isaiah 60 and so many other promises of Scripture that's talking about what's going to happen. You see, when we have the Jews, they're stuck in Babylon about AD 8500, sorry, BC 500. They're stuck. The Babylonians are in charge. And then they go back and they rebuild the temple. And you see that in Ezra and Nehemiah, 400 BC. And then we have a silent period. And if you look at your Bible between Malachi and Matthew, there's a gap. Well, it's probably just a blank page. <laughs> but that blank page represents 400 years of history. Did you know that? Between the end of the Old Testament and the start of the New Testament, there's about 400 years where they call it the silent period. It just means there was no prophecy. No, God, God was like, hmm, mum. Like there were so many prophecies beforehand that relate to this period, but, but back here, nothing. But it didn't mean there wasn't any action in God's history in the land that we call Israel. And if I go right up here, it's this little spot right here. Here's Jerusalem right in the middle. And you can see how strategic it is in a worldwide setting. It's, it's a kind of a land bridge. People walk through it. And so, so this little hotbed of place, it still is a hotbed, by the way, has all these empires surrounding it. And, and, and this is what happened. We had the Persian Empire that took over the Babylonians. You read that in Daniel. And the Persian Empire was, was kind of all right. You know, they, they kind of, they let the Jews do what they wanted to do, fairly favourable. But, but then 
the Greeks came. Alexander the Great, probably one of the greatest kind of warriors of all time. He was only a young guy, but, but he started conquering the whole region. And you can see his area here, uh, which is the Green Line, Alexander the Great. And it wasn't so much the, the geographic landmass that he took, it was the cultural impartation that he made. So he turned the whole of that world Greek, Greek language, Greek customs, Greek mindset, very different to the Jewish mindset. And so, so a little bit like our age, you know, sort of Western culture infiltrated all other cultures. This was the Greek culture and how it kind of infiltrated the whole area. And we call that Hellenization, Hellenistic world, including the adoption of Greek religions. Very polytheistic, lots of gods, many gods, uh, very different to the one God in Jerusalem. However, when Alexander the Great died about 323, it wasn't much of a, a, a will <laughs> or a plan afterwards. And, and his empire was split into four regions. And, and really, the Egyptians took over this part here in our story here uh, under, the Syrian, under the Egyptian empire, a guy called Ptolemy, who increased the, in, enforced the Greek language and culture and customs on our poor little nation of Jerusalem over here of Israel. But then it gets kind of hard and bitter. It's not just kind of imposing Greek culture on them. When the Syrians come in about 198 BC, Antiochus, Antiochus Epiphanes. So we're here in our timeline, zeroing in on zero. And this guy here was nasty towards the Jews. I mean, nasty. Let me read a few things from, from history. When the Syrians defeated Egypt in the Battle of Pannonian in 198 BC, Judea was annexed to Syria under Antiochus Epiphanes, who set about to destroy every distinctive characteristic of the Jewish faith. He forbade all sacrifices, cancelled the observance of the Sabbath and the offering of sacrifices. He disallowed the celebration of feast days. Additionally, he mutilated and destroyed nearly every copy of the Hebrew Bible. Jews were forced to eat pork, make sacrifices to idols. His final act of sacrilege, and the one that spelled his ultimate ruin, was when he desecrated the holy place by building an altar and offering a sacrifice to the god Zeus of a pig. Now, you can imagine the affront and the, just the, the, the rage that that would have sent the Israelites in there. But many Jews died in that period. Very, very dark period uh, here. Um, but it's about to get darker. You're getting the picture? This, this is the, the picture, all these prophecies of Christ, all these prophecies in Isaiah 60 and, and lots of other places in Scripture. There will be a Savior. There will be a time. But, but suddenly the world went really dark and empires took over empires and kingdoms. You see this in Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. You see all the prophecies of these, of these nations coming in. And then... The Romans come in under Pompey in 63, and they, and they take over that part of the land. Uh, and though it brought peace and the law and, and stability, it was very much the Jews were still subject to another ruler in their own land. And, and we have a whole history that starts to unfold uh, sort of after Jesus died, which is a whole other story again. But what I want you to see 
Any, any, any Lord of the Rings fans here? You watch the Lord of the Rings? Like, like you're watching orcs and battle scenes and it's dark and the music's intense and it's like, oh, this is so much. And then, and then, da 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 like, The Hobbits. It's like, gone orcs, black, death, spears, and then whew, Hobbits, you know, just hobbiting about life and, you know, eating food and, and it's green and it's cheerful and these people are silly. And, you know, it's sort of just such a contrast. It's kind of what happens. Like the whole of the Old Testament history points towards a Messiah. That there's, there's got to be something more. The Old Testament finishes badly. People are still doing stuff and it's, it's just a mess. Like there's got to be something more. That's why you read the Old Testament. You think there's got to be something more. It's not working. What's the answer? It's, it's, it's here. Let's go to the next screen. An angel. An angel starts announcing things after 400 years of craziness. This angel comes and we're introduced to two couples and two babies. They're the fulfillment of all these prophecies in the middle of all this craziness. Lands with an angel speaking to two couples. The entire Old Testament hangs on this little interaction. It's amazing. And so we shift then, and I won't deal with this now, but we've got, you know, the era of the church, this Israel. And then and now we've got the church, and then this is when Jesus comes back and finishes the whole thing. But let's focus on this middle bit here. Around about 0 AD, we have four unlikely people. And so we have an angel. Who's angel? Angel Gabriel, the messenger of the Most High God. He's also appeared to Daniel in the Scriptures, but that's all that we can see. He comes and he stands in the presence of God. And he's not, he's not kind of angel with wings, angel, you know. He, he has the appearance of a man, but a frightening man, because every time he, he goes up, he says, fear not. <laughs> like, like, don't be afraid. Why would he say that? Because he's fearful. Like, what? In Luke 1.13, we come across Zechariah. Now, Zechariah is a priest. He's in the temple. He's a good man. He's married to Elizabeth. And it's his turn to go into the temple, the Holy of Holies, and offer sacrifice. And as he's in there, this angel turns up. <laughs> And it freaks him out. Luke 1 13, the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. This is the first message from God in 400 years. And it comes to a priest called Zechariah in the temple in Jerusalem. He says, don't be afraid. I've heard your prayers. What prayers? Well, Elizabeth and Zechariah are old and they have no kids. And, and in that era, it actually brought shame or reproach onto them. They felt like there's something wrong with them. 
and that people would look at them and go, eh, how come you don't have kids? So there's a sense of shame that, that, that's cultural in that sense that they carried, but they'd been praying. Lord, they're faithful. They're faithful. We just love a child. And Zechariah sees his angel and he says, actually, we've heard your prayer. And I've come to tell you that you're going to have a baby and you're going to call him John. And you will have joy and gladness, verse 14, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink, drink wine or strong drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. This child is going to be great. This child is going to be someone significant, even in the womb. The Holy Spirit is going to fill him. That didn't happen back then. There's a new era coming in where the Holy Spirit is inside of people. And it says in verse 7, he will go on before him, before God, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, direct link to the end of Malachi, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord, the people prepared. You see, John, to become John the Baptist, was a, was a forerunner to Jesus. He broke the ice. He paved the way so that when Jesus came, there's faith stirring. It was his job. It was his mission. It was a tough call, but he did it admirably. One of the greatest men of that era. But what was Zechariah's response? <laughs> you see, all this month, we're looking at this, this 15 cast and crew of the great story on Sundays, but we're going to unpack it more in the LifeBuild Academy during the week. And we're looking at the response of these people. Zechariah's response? <laughs> can't, can't be. Sorry, it's impossible. I mean, how would you feel? An angel turns up, says, I've heard your long-desired prayer. And you go, it's not possible. You haven't seen how old my wife is. That's probably what he's thinking. You, you, you've missed something. You know, like, actually, you've missed about 20 years, angel. You're late, angel. If you had to come 20, maybe, maybe. But now... She's 60. I mean, that's ridiculous. We actually don't know how old Elizabeth was, but she's past childbearing years. Andrew says something like, hey, I stand in the presence of God. I've just come from God to tell you this. You're actually out of line, Zechariah, my paraphrase. And because you're out of line, you're not going to be able to speak until he's born. <laughs> so the, the, the consequence of that is he goes out of the temple. And he has to write things down. And I finally realized that this, he's had a vision, like something's going on to this guy. And he writes it down. And it's not until John is born that he starts speaking. He goes, no, no his, his name is John. And he opens his mouth. And then he just explodes with this incredible prophecy right at the start. Of Luke, I'm going to read you this little bit here uh, because it's it's amazing what he opens his mouth with. He's during his silent years, he's kind of realized. He says, "Blessed be the Lord God of Father. He has visited and redeemed His people. He has raised up a horn of salvation in the house of His servant David, for He spoke by His holy prophets." He just goes on and on and on. This is the end of Luke one. 
So Zechariah is the first of the unlikely heroes in the story, the first person the angel speaks to after 400 years of chaos. Suddenly, suddenly God's starting to move. Suddenly things are happening. And then we meet Elizabeth, who we just, we don't really know much about her, but we know that she's, she's older. And uh, the angel doesn't visit her, but she hears about this obviously through Zechariah. And in Luke 1, 24, we read this little account. It says, after these days, after Zechariah receives the promise, after these days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived. Like the promise is coming true. It actually happened. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. She's so excited. Look what God has done for me. He's taken away my shame, even if you know, we don't think it should be shameful. She felt that. And her response was wonder. It's, wow. Wow. Look at what God has done for me. I wonder, is that a response that you have when God does something in your world? When God speaks and then, and then starts to move and you go, oh, that is just awesome, God. Look what he's done for me. Yeah, actually what God is doing is reshaping world history. Like seriously, like what's about to happen is the center point of human history. But Elizabeth, guys, look what he's done for me. And that's okay. Whenever God is moving and acting, he's always, it's always in the context of something big, right? But, but, but we can take it for ourselves too. We go, oh, look what, look what he's done for me. Overwhelming joy and wonder. And then we meet Mary. Now, Mary, you know more about. Mary, we, we think, was quite a poor girl. She wasn't living in Jerusalem. She was living up in the north kind of out of the capital. She's living in Bathurst, not in Sydney. In the sticks, in the country. But she's obviously related to Elizabeth. She's living in the town. You know, there's connections. But, but by the response of the offering she gave when Jesus was born, she didn't have a lot of money. So the family seemed quite poor. She was probably quite young, probably teenage. We don't really know. What we do know is her response. So again, an angel appears to her. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. There's a reason for that, because angels are scary. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You found favor. God has looked over the entire nation and gone, I like this girl. How awesome. I like this girl. I like her heart. I like, I like how she responds. I like everything about it. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him name Jesus. Sound familiar? Another impossible birth. You go back through the Old Testament, there's been a few. Elizabeth was another one. This is another one. You will conceive in your son, in your womb, and bear a son, and call him name Jesus. And here's the promise. 
and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Like, here's little Mary in Nazareth doing a washing. I don't know. What's she doing? Just doing her stuff, doing life. And an angel appears and says, I'm about to birth in you from the Holy Spirit somebody who will change the course of history. A king whose reign will never end will come out of your body. My goodness. My goodness. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever picking up Old Testament themes of a coming Messiah that will reign and will be the forever king who is now still and even the king who reigns and will return. Her response is a little question. And if we're harsh, we think, mm. like she says, hang on, angel. <laughs> I'm a virgin. Uh, uh, how's this going to be? But it was a clearly different response to Zechariah. Because, because the angel actually explains it to her. He says, the Holy Spirit will come on you. You'll conceive. And then her response is what we call the Magnificat, which is her song of praise. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. <laughs> for he who is mighty has done great things for me. How awesome is that? Can you say that? For he who is mighty has done great things for me. She recognizes again that this, this is not just about her. But she also goes, huh, I'm, part, I'm part of world history. I'm part of something big that's going on here. Overwhelming joy is her response. How do you respond when God communicates something to you? And then the last unlikely hero, after 400 years of chaos and silence, and the angel turns up to Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph. I reckon Joseph is the, is the hero of them all, to be honest. Not just because I'm a bloke. He's the guy who has to wear a lot of stuff. It's basically his girlfriend who just got pregnant. There'd be questions. What's going on, Joseph? Hmm? Different era, okay, to today. Got to think. First century Jerusalem. And in Matthew's gospel, we flick over to Matthew. There's only two birth narratives. It's mainly Luke that we see. There's, there's a bit in Matthew, but the others don't talk about this. Matthew 1.18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man. Now, husband there means, it's basically fiancé. It's a different arrangement. Being a just man, and I'm willing to put it to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly, to get rid of the arrangement. Hmm. Fiance is pregnant. 
Let's just distance myself from this. It's just, that's his thinking. It's just, I don't know what's going on. Something's happening. But, verse 20, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Man, he's chewing on this. He's thinking about it. He's praying about it. And as he's sleeping one night, this angel appears to him in a dream. It's Joseph, son of David, wake up. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, Joshua, Savior, he will save. And so Joseph does this and sticks by Mary. It's wrap. The birth, the donkey, the travel, the inn, we'll deal with that next week. Later in life, he's a carpenter. He teaches Jesus a trade. He's a stepfather. And an awesome one at that. And I just love his heart to go, all right, I don't care what people think. I don't care. I've, I've heard from God on this one, and I'm going to stick it out. And I'm going to do everything I can to raise this child to be who he's destined to be. What a man. What a man that gets alongside the great commitment and resolve is his response to the word that the angel brings. So what's the point of all this? Well, this, this is the story that changes world history. This is the story that, that twists the narrative from the Old Testament to the New and, and shifts God's focus from, from Israel to Jesus and then the church. It's, it's, it's the center point of human history and we get to explore it all through here. What's, what's your response to this message? That's the point. You know, Christmas is crazy. You, you're probably either really, really tired this morning because there's been so much going on, so many Christmas events, so much pressure, so much shopping, and, or you could just be kind of like work. I've been talking to a few people this morning. Work is crazy, isn't it? Everything has to happen before Christmas. All the contracts, work, like you're building houses or whatever you're doing, Everybody wants it before Christmas. And so the world spins and spins. And, and somehow we've got party season and increased work pressures. And then we've got to somehow buy a present or two for my wife or kids. Somehow we've got that pressure. And then who's coming for Christmas dinner? Oh, my goodness. You know, maybe she's going to turn up. Maybe she's not. So there's pressure, isn't there, this time of year? Can, can you disconnect from all of that? And let's focus on this and see the middle of a great story that just changed human history and might just change your world. It might just make a difference. Where are you at? What have you been through these past 400 years, these past 40 days? What's it been like for you leading up to this? Has it been wars and conflicts and <laughs> do you just need an angel to break in and go, hey, I got good news. I got good news because the angel's come. He's spoken it. Let's take it. It's good news. Good news of great joy. 
What, what's been your lead up, your ramp up? I tell you this good news. So how are you going to respond? Is it wonder? Or is it unbelief? Is it joy? Is it commitment? Because when Jesus comes, he says, fulfillment of all prophecy. Psalm 124 says this, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. I'd love you to stand. We're going to do something to finish with. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The only help that the Israelites could ever resort to is God himself. Our help is in the name of the Lord uh, who made heaven and earth, by the way. Where's your help come from? Where's your help when it's tough at work? Where's your help when it's tough in the marriage, tough at home? Where's your help when it's just chaotic? Where's your help when things are disappointing? Where's your help when you don't have the resources to fight anymore? Where's your help when things just seem to be going south? Where's your help when you need extra energy? Where's your help when it's just not working for you? My help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth? Good credentials? I want you to think about the things that are pushing in on you right now. Close your eyes for a moment. What's, what's pushing in on you? What's bearing down on you? Like, like all these armies and wars and conflicts. What, what, what's causing this pointy end? I want you to declare in your heart right now, my help is in the Lord who made heaven and earth. My help is in the message of Jesus. It comes with good news of great joy. He says God is with you and he will save you. He will save you from your sin. He will save you from other destruction. He will be your rescuer and redeemer. Holy Spirit, my help is in the Lord. I think that is the greatest response that you can make this Christmas. When the world is swirling around, Jesus comes and announces good news of great joy. Lord Jesus, I'm praying for each person here, each person. Fill them with your power. Fill them with the right response to this message. Not one of unbelief, not pushing away, but one of embracing the message of Jesus. Help us, Lord, in this season to embrace and respond just as you want us to respond. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Amen.